Welcome to episode 139 of the Win 6 podcast, official podcast, BehindTheBookPass.com. I'm your host, site expert, Adam McGee, and joining me as usual is contributor on site, Jordan Tresky. Hello there, Jordan. Hello. Boy, have we got the juicy stuff for you tonight. I got steak. We are going to talk about the ever-taking clock. Jordan just... Won't stop sending me gifts of ticking clocks. It's very upsetting. <laughs> the ever ticking clock that is just the wider NBA media deciding to take every Yanis quote out of context and move us one step closer to doomsday. And we're also going to talk about a friend of the podcast, Eric Rose. And <laughs> His decision to sign for the Cleveland Cavaliers just before we, we start to record here, Derek Rose, he will not be a book. Um, that is guaranteed to evoke a strong opinion in you. It will be positive, it will be negative. I have seen both, but I have never seen any mild opinions. And you know what? I might just be here with some mild opinions tonight. With Derek Rose going to Cleveland, though, with all this talk of Kyrie Irving wanting out. We'll also talk a little bit about the shifting landscape in the East and what this means for the book's timeline, how their own dysfunction compares to everyone else's around them, and basically where we stand going into this season and beyond. To begin, though, let's circle back to that clock. A ticking clock. Can you hear it, Jordan? Yep. It's a grandfather clock. I don't know if that works. I'm not sure if that works. Anyway, the clock keeps ticking, as Jordan keeps telling me, as every article keeps finishing up. <laughs> because, you know, things get very urgent when a player officially moves on to their second contract. Yanis Antetokounmpo, yet to play a game on his second deal with the books. 24 days into his second contract. And all of the talk is about him leaving. We've touched on this in some ways, um, probably about close to three weeks ago now when this first came up. And what we're not going to do is what everyone else seems so keen to do, and which I'll speak for myself, but I'm also very confident I'm speaking for Jordan. I feel is complete and utter nonsense. Let's talk about what the books need to do to keep Giannis in Milwaukee. 
that's not really a discussion to have just yet. Instead, what I want to talk about is this whole idea and this this notion that I feel is maybe the biggest adjustment books fans are going to have to go through of this whole process of having a star. And it comes down to how the media are going to perceive, you know, a star being in Milwaukee and basically how for everyone outside of Milwaukee, for everyone who isn't a Bucks fan, the next four years are going to be spent wishing Giannis to leave the Bucks to join their team because guess what? He is that good as a player. This is not a familiar point and we're only in the very early stages of this and it's chaos. It is outright chaos. Uh, people are getting very distressed and it's very distressing to be a part of. I mean, God knows what state I would be in after four years of this, Jordan. So, Virginia. It's interesting. I wonder, I wonder how my journey takes me there. <laughs> what I want us to get into, though, is sort of a, a guide for all you good listeners, for all you book fans out there, for how to just, every time you see one of these photoshopped graphics, one of these clickbaity tweets, <laughs> that you just take a deep breath. And then you exhale. And everything will be fine, or it won't be fine. But what's happening at the moment isn't going to get anyone anywhere. What I want to talk about to start off with this, Jordan, is Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward, <laughs> right? Listen, hear me yeah, out on this one. Have you, have you listened to his, um, his podcast with Woj? I was, was going to say the, the vertical podcast with Woj, but of course it's, it's the Woj pod. The Woj pod now. Um, the Wad Paj. Did, did you listen to that, or have you listened to it yet? I have not yet. Well, guess what? Neither have I. But <laughs> the internet is great like this, in that people like us can aggregate things of interest. And today I happened to, literally kind of within a five to ten minute span of these latest Yanis quotes circulating everywhere, I came across this article which I found particularly interesting. And it was an NBC Sports article written by Dan Feldman. And the headline, which cut my own tweet, was Gordon Hayward, my relationship with Brad Stevens, I quote, completely overstated and overhyped. That got me to click, Jordan. That did the trick. I'm not a fan of clicking, but this got me to click. I'll read the quote, and then I want to kind of look at how this is indicative of star in a small market and what is gradually going to happen, what is going to kind of have maybe a slow build, but it's going to be persistent and what that can ultimately lead to. So what Gordon Hayward told Boach was, I quote, the relationship between Brad and I has been completely overstated and overhyped from everybody. And you mentioned it. There was always rumors about going to Boston and those to me were always just rumors. I didn't really ever think about it because I wasn't a free agent, wasn't really concerned with the Boston thing. 
But everybody else was saying, oh, he's going to go to Boston because of Brad. And we had a great relationship, but it wasn't like we were constantly texting each other or calling each other. He's the head coach of the Boston Celtic. He's got his things to worry about. This struck me because this is already what we're seeing come into effect for Yanis. There may not be, at least not yet, this kind of one handy target to say, okay, Yanis has this relationship with this person at this team. This is where he's going to be. We can play into this in the way that, I guess, Hayward Brad Stevens was able to go along. But uh, something that was very kind of apparent with Brad Stevens, and even in the build-up, in the months running up to it, um, there's a lot of talk about the Jazz felt pretty good about their chances of keeping him. It was kind of, look, everyone has said it in the time since. The Jazz pretty much did everything right, and he left. And it's when you hear something like this that you hear a player acknowledge there was these rumors, there's these rumors, I wasn't giving anything to it. They kept going and they kept going. Eventually you get to the place and it, it kind of happens. It's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I, I think that's, that's something that at the very start of this journey that we're all going to have no fun at all going on over the next few years books fans kind of have to get in on the ground floor with and realize that all of these murmurs these rumblings are going to come out because if you're in a rival nba front office you're going to kind of plant these seeds because you want yanis if you are a media company based in la wouldn't it be nice to have yanis playing for the lakers if you're based in new york boston you know, these major media hubs, there's going to be all of these people. You know, these talking heads, Jordan, you see on screen, they're going to spend the next two years saying, wow, this guy is good. What is he doing playing in Milwaukee? He needs to go to a real city. He needs to go to a, a franchise with championship pedigree. You know, not, not, a, not one who's obsessed with DNA. This is a... This is a franchise that already has the pedigree. These aren't necessarily going to be people who know about basketball, but they're going to be people who are paid to talk about basketball. This isn't going to, like, this kind of journey doesn't mean, well, you know, just by talking into existence, it's guaranteed to happen. But by talking into existence, it creates this air of panic, which if it builds and builds, does fuel other things. Like, we've already seen the evidence of this stuff getting to Yanis to the point where he had to comment on it. When he sent out his Kendrick Lamar tweet about the loyalty in his DNA, which, I mean, very, very on message for the books this summer. But when he sent that out, that meant that, okay, the word had got to him, the word had got to his people, and there was a need to respond literally that is the very start it was that was less than a week into his new contract and it's it creates an atmosphere where if everyone panics everyone panics and all of these all of these various outlets that have their own reasons for potentially not wanting him in milwaukee or not to be as conspiracy theorists as that would have their own reasons just to say hey wouldn't it be fun if you know to see Yanis in a, a Lakers jersey or in a Celtics jersey. 
as they continue to push that, continue to push that, it just creates an environment where it's unsettling for everyone. And it could end up unsettling for the front office. And these should be outside factors that you feel don't necessarily cross over. But I don't think there's any doubt in today's NBA. They do. Like today, when we record this, uh, Monday, there's another example of this. There's this quote that got one of they got the graphic treatment, just like Yanis quote got today, going around from an anonymous calf about Kyrie Irving. What happens? Someone just random Twitter user says, "This, this is J.R. Smith. This has to be J.R. Smith." J.R. Smith then comes out and confirms, "No, it's not me, but I agree with it." All of this stuff eventually gets to the people. It gets there very quickly now. Players are so active in the world of social media that the message gets there. And in Yana's case, it's kind of like Bucks fans need to relax right now. Yanis finished the season on the best possible terms with the books. Like, really, about as good as it could be at that point. His career on a rapid rise, he, I mean, cleaned up effectively between awards and all NBA teams. Really solid basis compared to where he was before the season. He put in an excellent playoff showing. He was on a team who were really competitive in the playoffs for the first time with him as the guy. And for as much as has happened since then, you know, Derek Rose, maybe yes, well, not like that. Maybe it was damaging. It didn't happen, though. Like, the Bucks offseason has been Tony Snell and draft picks. It's kind of like, so that's not going to kill him. You know what I mean? Uh, the GM situation. Yeah, he liked John Hammond a lot. I don't feel like at this point he's just going, no, that's it, I'm out. John Horst, no, that's... Four years from now, I'm going because of John Horst. It's like, all of this is a narrative that isn't necessary. There's no reason to panic right now. And there's a difference between kind of saying, well, look, the books have to get things right, or looking ahead in a measured and realistic way to being like, they're on the clock, they're on the clock, they need to make a trade now because Yanis is already one foot out the door. He hasn't. He can't. They have so much time, and they're going to have so many opportunities in a pretty weak Eastern Conference, which we'll get onto some more a little bit later, that I think it's really important that everyone just kind of takes a step back and learns how to deal with this. It's something that for all of us, it really has to be, okay, well, what's going on here? Is this something we need to pay attention to? I'm going to let you in a second, Jordan, because I'm going for a long time. But before I do, I want to bring it to today and basically what has triggered this latest kind of this latest round of oh Yanis is leaving the books Yanis is I don't even think he is still he made a very uh, brief stopover uh, in the Philippines for an event Yanis is getting that good money this summer traveling around the world for brief events everywhere and in this case one of them was in the Philippines and there's kind of a Q&A at this event where a fan decided to ask Giannis, you know, how did he feel about the whole Kevin Durant, OKC thing, and how long did he plan staying with the books? To that, Giannis replied, I quote, a lot of people say they're going to stay in a team and decide to move to a different team. 
But you guys got to remember, a guy might want to stay in a team, but if the team doesn't do the right things and the right moves for the player to become great. Because KD, the reason he wants to stay in OKC was to win, right? So they didn't win the championship. That's why he decided to leave. So do not only hate the player, because sometimes it's not up to the player. Obviously, there is the message to be taken in there, which is... I want to say his opinion, but at the same time, it's just kind of very simple logic for anyone who follows the NBA, for anyone who plays in it, that, you know, if the team don't hold up their end of the bargain, if they give you reason to doubt, which, like, for example, in that case, uh, by the end, Kevin Durant could absolutely have been saying, well, if you would just have paid the luxury tax and we could have kept James Harden, we could have run three straight titles or whatever, well, then it's not all on the player. That's understandable. But the answer was very clearly about a very specific situation, which he gives an example of in context. And instead, it was taken out of context everywhere. Uh, Bleacher Report jumped on it with uh, one of their graphics, as I've alluded to. Uh, I saw the likes of Yahoo had posts on it. Uh, the Ringer had had a post on it. They... <laughs> The Rare had two goals at tweeting about this. I don't know if everyone caught them both, but Jordan and I did. Firstly, the Ringer came out with a with a tweet alluding to their article that kind of went on the lines of, you know, to directly quote it, it finished off with, he sounds like he's ready to leave. That's the way they decided to go with that. Um, very quickly, someone obviously realized, yeah, well, that's that's factually inaccurate and a colossal leap we're taking there. And they ran that back to, is Yanis backtracking on his tweet about loyalty, question mark? And in kind of just to highlight this with the ringer in particular, in the space of three weeks, less than three weeks, we have gone from a piece that was the books still have time to clean up their mess which was basically about this exact same thing, to today, where it's not premature for books fans to worry about Yanis departure. Three weeks where nothing has happened. The books uh, briefly toyed with the idea of signing Derrick Rose and then managed not to sign him. And we have gone from there's time to clean up to the mess to you know, it's, it's not premature to worry about it. It's time. <laughs> like I feel this is this is it. This is the way to just perfectly capture the nonsense behind this there is going to be the day that will come where you know this could be a real worry or the books could make the conference finals in two of the four years maybe get to the finals once Yanis feels he's a real chance he builds on his love for the city his relationship with the fans and he likes the idea of being in a place that's already competitive that can pay him so much more money than anyone else you know, and then there could be no worries. All that's to come, though, with this right now. Let's just take a deep breath. And two weeks from now, when this happens again, let's just take a deep breath. When the books don't want Dianas to go to Eurobasket and someone at the ringer then writes that the Lakers said that they would let Dianas go to Eurobasket in 2022 if he wanted to. Let's all just relax nothing is happening yet and 
this is something we're gonna gonna have to gonna have to get used to. I mean, this is this is a player at a level that just the books haven't had that everyone is gonna want to push this agenda for their own reasons. I've gone for a long, long time. Do you agree with my sentiment, or what is your read on all of the coverage and then the reaction? Do you see anything to what I'm saying about how these two things can ultimately fuel each other, particularly if we're going to do it for four years straight? That would mean that by the time decisions do have to be made, you know, uh, <laughs> makes for a pretty intense environment where a lot has gone on. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Uh, as you said, there in today's NBA, if you follow the the game long enough, you've seen how the coverage of superstars or just stars in general, really, um, all star level players. I mean, there's many tiers to being a star. Sorry, uh, <laughs> but they're just underlying realities in how. Things are co- players are covered when you hit, hit that stratosphere, and when you have when your player as good as Giannis and you know had his breakthrough season last year, you could argue it was two years ago, but the Bucks had success to go along with it, and of course the All Star uh, nod. I mean everything came together for him in his breakthrough season, making that clear. Um, they're gonna be there's the obviously the highs of all of it all the success the on court stuff the you know whatever uh, that comes with it and then you know when it's July it's a dead time and you got to get some fodder you got to get some coverage going uh, things are they're under the microscope to an insane degree whatever you talk about even if it's you know. Halfway across the world at a promotional event, and your quotes get taken out of context. I mean, well, let's let's talk about this because I think this is, I mean, this is a little bit inside baseball, but I think this is something that maybe your eye would be much more familiar with because we do this. Like we are writers. This is part of what we do. Um, on the books, obviously. I mean, I do this every single day on the books. It's it's part of what's essentially my job. You listen to books when you write for us. You listen for the kings when you write a hoops habit. There, like, this is part of what the media is because if you come across like something like this, it gets aggregated. You have to aggregate it. If you were running a book yeah. site, if you're running an NBA site, Yanis is a guy who, when he does something now, it's newsworthy. People are going to want to read about it. They're going to want to take on that kind of content. So he is content. Anything he does is going to be content. There are different ways of doing that, though. And like, oh, yeah. th- this is something that, I mean, it's kind of, it, it stretches out beyond the NBA. And I guess it kind of gets, I guess clickbait culture is a very broad term for it, although I'm not quite comfortable with it because not everything has to be that. But at the same time, there are different ways this can be done. We aggregate basically everything that happens with any books player. But we'll always look to aggregate it in its full context to basically the best of our ability and as accurate as it can be. And kind of present it for what it is. 
um those who regularly read our stuff at behind the book pass you'll you'll note on a lot of pieces like that we'll kind of have two style of things where a quote could be the central part of it either we'll have something that is very heavily based on here's what the player said here's what the player said here's some stats facts around that related to it and very brief opinion very minimal at the end or you could have something that's kind of just taking that as a jumping off point here's this quote i want to explore this in my own detail this is pure opinion the problem comes in what a lot of this is is sites who don't like to look like they're aggregating straight so everything is opinion but it's opinion that is out within 20 minutes of this thing hitting the internet and it all gets very muddled this is something as i said you or i would be very familiar with and it's something that as a writer as a wrestler as a wrestler as an editor you'll, you'll see how that happened as an editor i've had to wrestle with um, that's one of my better you, you made you have to change your bio yeah. <laughs> as a writer, no, my, writer slash wrestler <laughs> behind the book pass um that's that's something though you have to kind of figure your own way out of and kind of get your own style with something you feel comfortable and you feel serves whatever your audience is the best way possible and i always get uncomfortable when i see some of these articles and they can be written by very very good writers and smart people but if you kind of ask yourself to do too much or say too much in a short space of time that's not great you know that doesn't go well the other thing i think this is something both you and i absolutely could talk to and i know we've discussed this between ourselves before and feel very similarly on there's a big difference between people who cover a team or cover a couple of teams mm -hmm. to people who cover the the whole nba and this is something that maybe isn't as obvious from the outside because I know I wouldn't have thought about it before I started writing. I would have said, well, I'm an NBA fan. I watch lots of NBA. I know about all 30 teams. I could write about them. Why couldn't I? That's such a difficult thing to do. And even at places where I've done that in the past, if I'm writing an article about Team X or Player Y, I will take a lot of time to really dig in deep and say, okay, if I'm not fully on top of this, even kind of at the point where I'm forming my idea or I have an angle that I'd like to explore, by the time I'm finished writing it, I will be. I'm going to take in everything. And there is this challenge again then for when people are, you know, you're covering all 30 teams and you're doing this kind of in a news scenario on the clock and something comes up oh yanis yanis has a quote about uh you know sometimes you might have to move to a different team if, if, if your your own team don't do enough to help you win who's on that you're on that okay i'm writing it and it's all very kind of devoid of context like this one in particular and a lot of yanis stuff particularly when he goes home to greece You'll get stuff originally reported, and then, like, through books Twitter, you can often see um, later it coming, well, this isn't actually correct. The actual translation is this. So there are so many variables in this. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily fit all that well with what isn't just NBA media culture, but 20, 2017 social media 
wider media coverage of everything, which is just got to be first, got to be fast. Uh, let's get there quickly and let's get the analysis. And sometimes that analysis can just be a little bit, a little bit wide of the mark. Uh, and it's not always the writer's fault. That's not easy to do. But you're going to see a lot of this. There's going to be these kind of broad strokes applied to things where it's going to leave people going, oh, that's not really true. Why are they doing that? It doesn't excuse it, but I think it's kind of just, it's an unfortunate part of the world we live in and what the, the NBA media environment can be. And while I don't think we've necessarily felt the negative effects of that, in recent years, there hasn't been reason to. This situation with Yanis just being such a star as he is, is going to be one of the examples of where that happens. And it is interesting when you hear, like, Kevin Durant, when he's done his podcasts with Bill Simmons. Like, as a fan, it can be it can be tough when you hear the players and they're talking about, oh, the media say this or the media say that. Why don't they kind of... You know, why do players have those attitudes? I haven't seen where something has gone that way or that way. These are the kind of examples. It's not like someone, it's not like Lee Jenkins goes and follows a player around for, for two weeks and writes this really in-depth profile and they're like, he's taking everything out of context. This isn't me. It more often than not tends to be the stuff that burns out really quickly but goes really far in a short distance of time. And that's this kind of aggregation really kind of quick for our opinion on stuff it's not really the, it's not really a good thing it's it's one of the challenges of what the world is in terms of kind of how people want their sports media how they digest it and we're gonna feel the full effects of that apologies to anyone who that's going like you know, why are we talking about this but i i do really feel all of this is gonna spill over into kind of an awareness of when you see you see a really dumb tweet that you know as someone who's locked in on the books who knows exactly Lockdown box. <laughs> yeah uh, that was a that was a plug for our friends there uh <laughs> if if you're someone who's really kind of you're on top of every detail around the team and like all of us like for everything that uh some just kind of general nba site can go yanis just said this you have 20 other quotes where he says something to the opposite effect, which I think we we all had like when the first thing came out about, oh, Yanis might want to leave with those really vague Woj things. We're like, okay, well, there's there's been about like 10 different interviews where he says the complete opposite as recently as like two to three weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, okay. Not everyone's going to have that. And rather than just completely getting lost, and I think it's going to come to a point where we're all just going to go, okay, let's ignore that. <laughs> That's, if, if Lakers Twitter want to think that Giannis is there in four years, let Lakers Twitter think that. It just doesn't necessarily need to be fueled because the more fueled it gets, more anger, the more interaction on social media, the more those websites are going to be like, okay, this stuff about Giannis... Uh, Yanis leaving the books. This works. Let's keep doing it. Let's give us another post on Yanis leaving the books. The other factor in all this, too, as you said, is, and this is kind of, I, I, this is, I guess, it's that modern thinking, but it, it just how we appropriate teams like the Bucks, basically, <laughs> small market teams. If you're if you're a superstar in a small market or teams that have, you know 
generally, uh, I mean, the Bucks have been a pretty bad team in recent history. Um, there's just that's another level of of all of this, and we've seen it. I mean, go down the line. I mean, just think of the people that have been just been traded in the last. I don't know, six months. You have Boogie Cousins. That was such a big domino to follow that it felt like trade rumors were hanging over him since like 2013 and only till 2017 uh, at the All-Star break did he get traded. Jimmy Butler gets traded uh, draft night. And that was still, I mean, that was about a year, a little bit more. Paul George. Paul George. I mean, that was like, there's certain, when you are a star in a small market, it almost seems like and we're seeing with Anthony Davis and we're still seeing with Russell Westbrook because he hasn't signed his extension. I mean, if you listen to a low post or something like that, like there's also those like kind of questions are starting to creep up again. There's, it, it just feels it's, it, it's similar to how this is another topic that we're, you know, used to, we're only two years removed from this, but similar to, to how smart market teams were, you know, the threat of Seattle, becoming relocation kind of thing. It's like, oh, yeah, if you, I mean, if you don't get a new stadium or you don't ensure your new lease with another, blah, blah, you know, all this stuff, uh, we got Seattle over here or we got Vegas over here. You never know. We could just move you over there. Like, it's just it's this whole thing of, you know, Boston, they're, they're always looking for another star. Like, you know, this whole thing or Miami. I mean, that's, that's just how it is. And I, I mean, I, I – it's like you said, you just have to come to terms with it. You don't have to agree with it. It's not really <laughs> agreeable at this point. It's just how people will go from, you know, looking if, if so-and-so gets traded. I mean, what was it? There was something about like, I, I'm misremembering. I mean, this could have happened in multiple outlets, but it was basically like, Oh, Jimmy Butler got traded. Who's going to be the next one? Is it going to be Paul George? Paul, Paul George gets traded. Who's going to be the next one? Chris Paul gets traded. Who's going to be the next one? It's always it's like because the NBA is so built on star power and this and player movement of you know star caliber has it's it's gone off the charts in the last I mean three weeks. That's always going to fuel the discussion around the the league, better for better or for worse. Um, but it keeps people talking whether it's it how you know real of these things are i mean that's that's just the plain reality in all this and so you know <laughs> yeah and and i think that again it's kind of important to touch on that stuff and you're right because we are people who are like as much as we're fans and we get involved in this kind of debate on twitter like we aren't <laughs> we aren't just the podcast people we are those kind of written content generators as such and like i'll make no i have no qualms in in saying it very publicly like, no one would believe it. It wouldn't make sense to people on the outside. But, like, July is the busiest month by far that we have. Mm-hmm. June is the second busiest. People are like, what, not the playoffs? No, not the playoffs when, like, Jordan and I weren't sleeping for the amount of stuff we were doing, for the daily podcasts, for, uh, like, six articles a day, all that stuff. It's not. It's, it's June, July. And it's because people are just have this insatiable desire for, you know, who's my team getting? Who's my team getting? Well, can we get that person? Can we get that person? And the more that drives it, the more like the more that agenda gets pushed forward. And 
it's it's kind of incredible. Like speaking about ourselves with behind the book pass, our, like in the history of our site, last June, July were the biggest months we'd ever had. Um, eventually overtaken by February, which is kind of trade deadline again, which backs up an all star, an all star. But let's be real, it's trade deadline. It's the yeah. same thing again. And I had always kind of had this top process throughout the year as we'd go along and we do very well as a site, but I'd be like, okay, I mean, June, July, uh, they had last summer, they had cap space. They had the 10th overall pick. It's gotta be hard for us to get back there again. Nope. I was wrong. Uh, like as we speak now, we're having easy, the biggest month we've ever had for the site. We've, stayed away from anything that hasn't been reported we haven't done any kind of speculation of our own there's lots of stuff that has been twitter reported by uh sources who i wouldn't give the time of day to that we haven't touched like we aren't that kind of outlet who are going to push that stuff and we still far outperform what we do the rest of the year at this time of year i think that just said something for the general desire for this which we're in this spot where the desire of 29 other teams to hear that their team could land Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to outweigh the desire of Bucks fans to be like, no, no, he's here for four years. The Bucks could be able to extend them early on that if he ends up winning MVP or Defensive Player of the Year or whatever. Like, it's it's the realities of it. And it's it's kind of, it's a very cynical thing. But this is a very cynical world. I think people just need to... Need to be prepared for it because one, it's not nice. Just generally, as a books fan, you've got finally got this nice new shiny thing that is better than better than the toys that everyone else is getting to play with. And all of a sudden, like you've just got it, and people are saying, "No, no, you're gonna you're gonna lose that soon. <laughs> We're gonna take that away. That that toy is too good for you. You need to go back to suffering." That's not an enjoyable experience. So I think people need to realize that. There's gonna be motivations to a lot of this stuff. And... I don't, I, the, the other, I remember. I think it was after our emergency pod of the Giannis game-winning shot at MSG, and I made like an offhand joke about you know where do we go from here, and to expect like the the whole like, well, can you win with Giannis? Like, we're, that's not far behind, people. Like, there's there's a whole litany of these you know, absurd um, questions that just get raised. Not mainly some, maybe there is some merit behind it, but a lot of it is just to keep us talking. This and is that's... the, this is the LeBron, the stuff LeBron has had like throughout his entire career. You know, like if people ever stop me, like why, why does this happen? The reason it happens is because everyone will click on it and everyone will watch it and everyone will listen yeah. to it. And yeah. it, it it does something. So that's when you go, LeBron is in clutch. LeBron is in clutch. What do you mean LeBron oh. is in clutch? This is ridiculous. His People agency don't. is clutch. That's true. <laughs> what's that in response, I wonder? I, thought, uh, uh, I mean, he's a very calculated man. <laughs> he's a very calculated <laughs> man. Um this is just this is the reality of having a star. So you know all that good stuff where we enjoy and we're like, well, look at those good things he did. Look at him starting the All Star game, winning awards. This is the downside that comes with it. <laughs> this is this is what we're all gonna have to deal with. I I love that analogy you laid out, but I think it's perfect. This is 
no different to the you know the team one with Seattle. It's yep. it's the exact same thing. It's basically just this kind of bully mindset where you're a small market team. Well, bright lights over here. We can we can just bring it there any minute because you know that's that's someone who deserves the thing that you have. You don't, but those bright lights yeah. they deserve them. It's the exact same thing. It really is. Um. So so that's an excellent analogy. And the other thing with this is. Just because there's been a spate of guys who have left in around kind of end of their second contract or after it in free agency, like in most cases, it has taken the most reckless and irresponsible decision making to get there. Well, like, that's, a, that's the other thing. There's all this theme, and obviously, this is. <laughs> I know maybe the timing of this because of whole, the whole dysfunctional front office process. Yeah, no, but look, the, the thing is, Jordan, that isn't good. Neither of us would say that is remotely good. Mm. They haven't done anything permanently damaging yet. It was all. All it was was just hiring. Right. There's, That's there's, all it was. It was that, like it was. That is something that it, the books have a good season. And particularly now that it looks like they're probably not going to sign anyone, make any splashy signing. Books have a good season and Tony Snell doesn't play terribly. No one talks about that at all. It, it'll be forgotten until the next thing comes up to remind us all of, you know, there's some weird stuff with ownership. Uh, it doesn't make it any better, but it's not necessarily the moment where you go four years from now. It's It's not like that. It's not... Like something which everyone everyone seems to like the idea of. Uh, not everyone, that's not fair. A lot of books fans like the idea of let's trade Jabari. Trade Jabari, injuries no. That's the kind of thing that is more likely that if he did get healthy and was really good three years from now, and Yanis is standing around going, I just need one piece to get to the conference finals, to get to the finals, and the ownership, the front office traded away that guy three years ago. That's the sort of thing the players think about when they get to that point. It takes something like that. And we're just so far out on that. And it hasn't happened yet. You can say there's things you don't like that the books have done. Basically, all of those things will be gone before Yanis gets to the point where he's a free agent. So, mm -hmm. like, we're not there yet. And there are cases where, you know, if you handle your business you do things right hey the player does stay with the smaller market team think tim duncan for example uh orlando very nearly got him but they didn't tim duncan spent his entire career in san antonio people now don't associate the spurs in that same way and that's basically because of tim duncan and pop tony parker the success they've had but like that's one really prominent example of you know if if the player is good enough that he pushes his team into that level of contention on a second deal and the ownership doesn't completely tank things, there's no reason why he has to go. We're just in this current spell in the NBA where it does seem like everyone is leaving their team at that point. So it is, as you said, who's next, who's next, who's next? And everyone's looking around and, you know, it seems like, oh, Yanis, um, must be Yanis. All we're saying is to chill out, everyone. <laughs> cool out. It's it's seriously it's fine right now. It is fine, and bad decisions the books will make right now. Smaller bad decisions 
they're it's we're still far enough out that unless they like go which they can't do and give someone like four years 80 million who is going to cripple the franchise i mean like other other than doing something like that these are all kind of there'll still be bad mistakes in isolation could they all one day compile to be the thing that stops you yes it is possible but you've still got years of building them up to have reached that point and we still don't know what yanis is we don't know who the books will have to get past you know it could be a case that we're in something like the spot that say lebron was being talked about as in a week ago right before the Kyrie irving stuff came out where people said okay he's a free agent next summer lakers okay there's all this talk about he wants to go west he wants to be in la at the same time though he could just stay and he that he's probably got the easiest route to the finals he could have in the league we don't know that that's not going to be the case for the books in four years and that may include them not being perfect in the Eastern Conference right now. It doesn't feel like you necessarily have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So, like, the books could make mistakes and things I mean, may not the, be. Look at the Cavs. I mean, sorry to cut you off. But no, okay. They're a great team last year, but they obviously had fatal flaws. They were mm-hmm. a terrible defensive team from January 1st <laughs> to the end of the season, really. They still cakewalk to the finals like that i mean we have no idea where the east could take us you it, think that that could be the books though that's like the books could yeah. lose uh they could be swept three straight years we won't give it this year but say from after that, the books make the finals three straight years okay take some getting there it takes i know it's a it's a leap for us all to, to make to imagine it but if they were to do that they could still get swept every year by the warriors and it wouldn't change the fact that, okay, I don't like this losing in the finals, but by staying in Milwaukee, I get to go to the finals. And also, I'm young enough, my teammates are probably still young enough that, you know, we should outlast the Warriors. And we should we can keep just going to the finals and you know, we're then next. There's that kind of there's that kind of element to it. Now look, all of that is taking a jump because who knows what stars will come into the league, which teams will rise, which teams will fall, all, all of the stuff that happens, which players' careers will end with injury. But in itself, all of that factors into why, like we're talking about something that could happen four years from now. We may not all be here four years from now. Why are we worrying about this right now when there's no reason to? Who's saying what four years from now looks like? Will we move on from this subject, Jordan? Have we done enough? Have we got the message across loud mm. and clear? I would say so. Good. Um, I've not that we'll revisit this topic of conversation, but again, it's specifically on August thirteenth. <laughs> it's something that well, I'm gonna check what day of the week that is, just to see how. I think I'm off by a day. Okay, maybe we have to go early or late that week. Who knows? Um, <laughs> we'll probably revisit this. We will have need to, I'm sure, at some point. Well, when Giannis makes a trip to, uh, 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 I'm trying to think. Um, I don't, he's probably making a trip next week. Shanghai. He's going to go to a trip in Shanghai, and his quotes get misattributed again. Well, seriously, <laughs> if if he does go to EuroBasket, which I still expect him to, uh, mm. 
that could be like two weeks of him giving interviews in Greek where if anyone asks questions at the book, something comes back and it's kind of you know mistranslated, something's lost in translation on every year again. Bill That's Murray. just it's just the nature of the beast. What do you say to Scarlett Johansson? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um for now, this is the way we're gonna choose to talk about it. You haven't seen anything kind of we haven't done a whole lot going into the other elements of it on site. We haven't talked about it on the podcast, and that's because there's no need to just yet. Uh, that's as the people who we take pride in. This is this is our team that we follow, that we cover. Our team, our town. We know better than to overreact to all of this just right now. Of course, it's important. Of course, everything Yana says, we gotta gotta listen up and we gotta say okay how that is but you know it's all just stay nice and measured a pinch of salt is the the phrase here but it isn't i know you have a slight variation on that don't you oh, grain yeah. of salt grain of salt okay pinch. it's all the same we all got there yeah. uh pinches much more eloquent but, farm. hey what, what can we do let's move it on from Yanis. Uh, before we get to the mailbag, let's talk about Derek Rose and let's talk about those Cavaliers that we've already kind of mentioned a couple of times. Derek Rose has signed for the Cavaliers on a one-year veteran minimum contract that, if I remember correctly, comes in about $2.3 million. Is that right? $2.4 million? Yes. Somewhere in that range. 2.1 million. Signed a deal with the Cavs who are now facing up to the possibility that they may be trading Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving seemingly wants out of Cleveland. For some reason, he wants to be traded somewhere where he will be the guy. And this leaves the Cavs in a very uncertain place, generally. Um, what do you make of all of this? What do you make of all of this for the Eastern Conference? This is this is significant. I think even you would have to admit this is significant. A year before LeBron hits free agency again, uh, like we talk about the Bucks dysfunction, the Cavs summer has been spectacular. It's been textbook Cavs of old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I don't know. It's it's. Uh, I mean, any dysfunctional team. Uh, I guess besides the Kings, I know I'm a little biased, but I feel like their dysfunction has. Uh, tapered off a big time. I mean, Cavaliers, Knicks, but rather we're talking completely about the agree completely. Kings are Bulls. entirely functional right now. Bulls. Um, Knicks are good calls. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. It's certainly weird. Uh, you could also describe Derek Rose's defensive capabilities at this point as Cavalier pup, but I'm, um, but, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, and there was a report as a recording from, uh, Cleveland, not insider, but he's in the know. He's a respected, uh, uh, writer Joe Varden of Cleveland.com uh, kind of had, you know, I mean, this is all intertwined with the whole Kyrie Irving business, which is, 
which in, in itself, I mean, that's just, I cannot. This happened, it was what, like three, three o'clock central time on Friday. And I'm just like thinking like, what? I, 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 I don't know. I still can't like fully wrap my hand around all this and like everything. But there's just so many details that are coming out. Like the initial report about him asking for a trade. And then like there was like the residual things of like, oh, yeah, I actually was thinking about this after the finals last year. Uh, the whole LeBron, <laughs> uh, Kyrie dynamic, and then Kevin Love's tweet, uh, like Saturday. Like there's just like <laughs> it's, it's really bizarre. And the other thing too, what's crazy about this, the whole LeBron angle, which we don't need to go into, but we're t- we're still talking about a team that, in my opinion, is still head and shoulders above any East team in in the top East team in that conference. That they, they're still, still slated. Uh, if the, if if Kyrie is traded, if he gets his wish and is traded, like they they would need a a significant like now capable return. For that to be definitive, I think this is it will look so much like a LeBron team of old. Seriously, it's of course if Kyrie stays, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've still got your core pieces, but we talked about like everyone's talked about just how much older they were getting earlier in the summer, and then if effectively you end up switching out Kyrie Irving for Derrick Rose, a diminished who, Derrick Rose. Jose Calderon. He's got to be exactly. Jeff Rose Green, is going to be injured. Rose is going to be injured, so you're going to end up starting Jose Calderon, a point guard, for most of the year. You're telling me that the Wizards, Celtics, Raptors, Bucks can't compete or get past that team? Don't think so. I honestly think that's that's one that's absolutely up for grabs. So. This trade is a big deal. It's an even bigger deal because there's now, like some of the reports today have suggested, rather than looking for pieces the Cavs could plug in now on a trade for Irving, they're more looking for kind of assets for the future. And that is probably in part because they're trying to hedge their bets a little bit with the concern of, okay, if LeBron does leave next summer, we can't expect him to come back again in any kind of way where he's still in his prime. We are now preparing to be the Cavaliers without having the best player in the world born here again. And we've got to become functional in a hurry. We've got to get young assets. We've got to build something. And right now, they have no assets. And for good reason, they've cleared out to get their championship, to be a contender, to build a team around the best player of his generation. That's all fair. Mm. It's not going to be good, though, when he's gone. It's fascinating just how quickly this could open a window for teams it's not set in stone yet but it could open a window almost immediately where it's like okay eastern conference is up for grabs and you don't have to be perfect to get there like this is this is kind of alluding to on the yana stuff this is you know all of a sudden you could say oh yeah books books didn't do enough they they needed a more dynamic kind of point guard just to give that option uh, they needed to get out of the money they have on Henson or Talatovich or Delhi or whatever it is. And that might not matter because having Giannis and just good, capable players around them in this conference could prove to be enough some years. 
Like, it really could. That, to me, is fascinating in terms of what it's doing. And I don't know how much... It's all very recent still, but I don't know how much that's being discussed or how books fans are taking that on board, that this could... It doesn't just change the timeline, but it it opens it up. It gives you a much wider margin for error. You know, if if LeBron was to leave the East in a year from now, the Cavs are gone as they currently look, and your competition is what your competition currently is, really. Why can't you get out of there? Why can't you get to a point where you are in the finals, and then it comes down to, okay, let's just see if we can get lucky in seven games against the best team of all time. That's really interesting. And it to me, it's... It's something that I think a lot of people will be like, okay, if that happens, if the Cavs trade Kyrie, the Bucks need to push. You know, they need to make their move because the time is now, the chance is now. I'd actually say the opposite. I think if that does happen, it gives you an opportunity to be patient, knowing that being what you are could lead to really good results, and then you can build on that from there. It's just a it's a very different dynamic. You don't think, and this is this isn't really based on anything other than the fact that you're Jordan and you don't like to think that anything might ever change anywhere. But you don't <laughs> think Kyrie will be traded before the season. Um my, my one question that would be how is that tenable? Like because the one interesting thing the one interesting thing to me on this is just how quickly all of the Cavs players are speaking about publicly. Like, yeah, uh, it's already, there's always already been some, I feel like this some road good. trip and debate on it between Richard Jefferson, Johnny Fry. They've talked about, as I mentioned earlier, J.R. Smith has already um, tweeted about it. We already have the anonymous source. We've had LeBron um, tweeting out videos of himself in a not so cryptic, typical LeBron fashion. I don't see how Kyrie could just come back into that team and that locker room and everything runs smoothly. Yeah, but it's also it's it's a weird he's such a tough player to judge in terms of trade value. Because on one hand, you have a a, con, a contract that he signed in 2014, so we're talking old cap. Old 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 cap. Um, he's under contract for two more years. He's 25. He's an all-star level player. He's a finals champion. He's a, an incredible offensive player, an incredible scorer, all this stuff. It's, it's such a weird, listening to Zach Lowe and Brian Windhorst before recording, Sure, yes, he has definitive flaws. And then it's pr- primarily defensively and a little bit playmaking where he he kind of settles too much for that one-on-one scoring, even though he's incredibly you know, good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah why, why settle for something that you're really good at? Oh, what a, what a shock. Um, so if you're under this, it's such a, I, I just don't understand. I, I honestly, I, when I look at Kyrie, I think there's, 
there's elements to Kyrie that I feel are very similar to James Harden in terms of you can pick out the defined flaws, but they are so good at the things they're good at that even if they're not ideal for every team and for what the NBA is now, it's kind of like, okay, well, they're just that good that sometimes it just doesn't matter. You know, like Kyrie yeah. shows that in the I mean, I mean, Yeah, Isaiah Thomas is a good example too. I, I feel his flaws, his flaws relative to his strengths are possibly more pronounced than those other two i did yeah just because they're better like just because they're better yeah. at the other things in my opinion and they're more uh, proven but yeah I, I think that's right he's another player who fits that bill there are some guys who they're just so good on one end of the floor though that you know it will outweigh things they can do on the other end yeah and i i just i mean again the other thing too is as you talked about, I mean, they're bringing in a 34-year-old general manager. Not that I, we know anything about that. Uh, Horse is 34, right? Am I right? I didn't know. Was, 36, know. 35? Kobe Altman only 34? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously the whole LeBron – <laughs> <laughs> the LeBron-sized guillotine is hanging over that team for a season. Like, I mean, I just don't know how you juggle or accurately assess a trade that way. And the other thing, too, you're, you're talking about, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking more of the mindset of the teams that we know that he at least wants to go to. The, the Timberwolves, the reporter teams, I should say. Timberwolves, Knicks, Heat, Spurs, right? Yeah. Timberwolves, I mean, they already—they just signed Jeff. They it, signed Jeff one, Teague to the first contract. happen because they can't trade Teague till December. Yeah, exactly. New York, I mean, good luck. <laughs> I, I, I have well, no. They, I mean, that can happen easily. They could trade Porzingis. I mean, it's I the guess Knicks. they can. It's but, the Knicks. I know. The Heat is a tough one. And I think the other thing, I mean, obviously that's more than just the on-court or the, you know, sending back players. It's the whole Heat to that bridge from Miami to Cleveland. Are they, are they going to want to help them out in that regard? Um, and San Antonio, that's another weird t- It's just – Jordan. Just, I mean – Jordan, what Kyrie Irving wants, where he wants to go to... Yes, that's the other thing, too. ...means nothing. It's like, oh, I want to go to Disneyland, but I can't. I'm still... But even, like, another team like Phoenix, I feel like that is even a flaw. I love Eric Bledsoe. I I actually really like Eric Bledsoe. Him and, like, a Josh Jackson. I don't think they want to part with the guy that they just drafted that a bunch of teams are clamoring for it. I don't, but yeah. the, I think the underrated element of that is like Bledsoe and LeBron are super close. Bledsoe is a clutch. A clutch, yeah, a clutch client. I think a lot of the soundings out of the Cavs locker room, and remember again, this is like you've got to please LeBron. I found the the talk of, you know, I'm not I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving this team before the end of the season regardless. That to me almost sounded like whatever deal has to be done has to be done. I'm gonna be here. Yeah. I just I just don't know how 
such a veteran team like that and such a strong character like LeBron are going to take this idea of, oh, he doesn't want to be here. Let's keep him around. It'll be, he doesn't want to be here. Get him out now. Yeah, that's true. But he's not with us. It he's is, gone. I, like, I, I think they're going to end up, I don't think this is going to be like, it's not going to be the same reasons as the Paul George, Jimmy Butler, but I think this is a deal where they're not going to get fair value and it's going to be because yeah, they, they, just, they just have to move it. This is just, yeah. they're going to have to appease their locker room and particularly the main figure in their locker room because as much as they'd need the assets back and they could really use them, they can't afford to dice with upsetting the rest of their players this year and not maximizing what you get out of the last year before LeBron hits free agency. So, like, something like maybe they don't need jackson as well maybe bledsoe is the problem say okay if i could do it with Kyrie, you know we can we can put bledsoe in bledsoe is good enough let's do it but i i think that's a real a real possibility where it comes down to that and they have to make decisions of okay do we just dig our heels in here for value and stick with Kyrie when he doesn't want to be here like i don't know what they have to gain from that either because it was different when their plan was you know well Okay, even if LeBron goes, they can build their next team around Kyrie and still be competitive. This will probably be a playoff team in the East. That's now gone. So, like, he he's not really coming from the best position of leverage because mm-hmm. he has forced the Cavs to a point where they're now kind of facing the possibility of having nothing. And so they're not going to be all that worried about where Kyrie wants to go. You know? Yeah. It's going to be about... Okay, it's all now all about LeBron. We've got to do whatever we can so that 12 months from now we can say, we tried. You know, we did what we could. It is what it is. Uh, I think that's where they're, they're going to have to come at it. And that's where, in my opinion, something like Kyrie for, for Bledsoe, which I would say is nowhere near good value, that might just happen. It might just happen nearly straight up because it's going to be a case of, the Cavs can't afford to be like, no, no, we'll stick with Kyrie this year. Maybe we'll revisit trade talks next summer. They're not in that position. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's such a weird... <sighs> yeah, it's weird. And then the whole Mel thing that feels... There's just so many... We're, it's July 24th as we're recording this. There's just so many plates still spinning in the air and free Mello, Mello is another one though Mello, like Mello doesn't make sense in terms of to make them better but like does LeBron know that or is his friendship with Mello something that would blind him to that a little bit like does the idea of okay Kyrie doesn't want to be here well let's get Mello and let's do this maybe that's the thing like we really don't know maybe that is a thing and particularly say if they could get Mello and Nidhi Kena which I mean, if you're the Knicks, you want to get rid of Melo anyway. So you're talking about, okay, let's swap out Nindy Kina for Kyrie Irving, and all of a sudden you've got Irving and Porzingis. I mean, that's that could end up being a win for both sides if Kyrie just wants out of there. And, you know, you bring in one of LeBron's friends to make his his big year heading into the next decision. All that better and who knows now Nidikina maybe he's a star 
I I don't know. I just think there's I think this is a really easy deal to make, as in everyone's kind of going with this value and this fair value. There are certain teams who will happen to have the right players, and by the right players I mean uh friends of LeBron and guys he respects and feel could help him go again. And if you happen to have one of those players, I think you know, you could be in with a good chance. It's it's easy, like uh and this is the only mention I'm gonna give it because we're not gonna talk about it, but uh like Zach Lowe throughout there and it has been widely reported by I don't know, people who I wouldn't necessarily describe as sources, not people who I know for reporting stuff very regularly or accurately, particularly on the books. But we've seen that like Chris Middleton, Brogdon, Delvadova. That's rational. You know, I mean, that's that's very rational. Let's let's make the team better to beat the Warriors. That's okay. We want guys who are going to be able to defend. We want guys who will space the floor. This is how, if we're going to lose that, we need to add more of this to be better. That's good, sound basketball logic. LeBron is not here for that. You know, he he wants to have the guys he wants to go to battle with, and I don't think deals of that ilk are going to be as important as just being like, yeah, I, I feel like I can trust that guy. I feel like that guy can get us to where we need to be. Okay. Let's move on to the mailbag. Let's. First one from DJ Jazzy J1. What is going on with Beasley's free agency? That's a very good question. I, I got very nostalgic uh, last Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Perhaps that sounds about right. Uh, I was thinking about Michael Beasley, and it is a shame that I mean we haven't heard a peep. I don't think I've heard any team linked to him. I don't think I've heard any report. I don't. I don't know if he actually ends up in the NBA at this point. Yeah, uh, that's sad. That's it, it, not... It's that's not. It's it's certainly sad, but it's. I mean, he's had his. Uh, he could go back to Cleveland. Oh, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> uh, they could have got him yeah. instead of Jeff Green. Let's be real. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, that's a. Oh. Yeah, I would have. Oh man, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it's just weird. And he was good. I understand. We 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 talking about it in this kind of, you know, twelve to fourteen minute minute uh range of play but man he can there were games like I, I i understand the way it ended the last like two months after basically after that cleveland game um was that a national tv game or was that just a random no i'm pretty sure where it was. he got he hyperextended that was he hyperextended his tnt wasn't that the first game on tnt and that that's what i was thinking yeah um yeah, what? Yeah, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> there were multiple games where he would just heat up in just a matter of like minutes, and it would just, it made sense. I, I obviously there were other flaws and stuff like that, but Michael Beasley was, and of course you're I'm missing the Spurs game where he basically just willed right. the team to win on his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's it's. Really odd. There, I feel like he's not alone. Where we haven't heard anything. Like Alex Lynn is another guy. 
I know he's a restricted free agent, so that comes with a little bit of kind of. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of weird things. Ian Clark is a weird one to me. Um, but at least they've heard from about him, and we know that he's not going to yeah, go in the state. There are like some guys that are complete radio sounds. Nerlens well has been like that, aside from his camp saying how disappointed they are that it's complete radio silence. Yeah, it's it's really weird. And there was a to tie this to the Bucks. John Horst did a hit on the Chris Mannix show, and he put it perfectly. It's like the the market of for agency <laughs> this year. You could see it decline as the you know the deals progress. And these roster spots are getting, you know, used up. There's only the teams that have roster spots or even just cap space in general uh, to facilitate any, just not just free agency, but trades in general. There are a lot. There are some, you know, adequate players that deserve that are NBA caliber players. They're just sitting in free agency. We have no idea where they're gonna, ha- ha- you know, land up. It's really strange. Yeah, I. Bees is an interesting one still. Um, and I think the other thing, too, we have to remember, his reputation hangs over all this, whether it's more merited or not. We know the effects that he had on the Bucks, uh, both on yeah. and off the court. That stuff but, normally travels, though. Those, those yeah, positive things. Thing. Like, um, that normally, word normally gets around on that. Look, if, uh, I think there's a lot of things that would have to come into play. They don't necessarily have an obvious need of that position, but if the Bucks did find a way to make a trade and end up with uh, an open roster spot that way, maybe maybe it's not impossible he goes like to the Bucks. I don't know if that's the best idea, um, but from his perspective, that might be one of his best chances of getting back in the NBA next year. But yeah, strangely quiet, kind of disappointingly so. I I would have happily seen him sign a... Sign a nice mid-level deal or whatever, even or a biannual exception. Something. Just go somewhere, get some money again, and be back in the NBA and get a chance to continue building on the good work he showed last year. Because, again, he's still pretty young. It's not like that he couldn't kind of continue to build on that. And even if it didn't happen to be this year that he got another kind of sizable contract, if he got a chance somewhere and was able to put another year in like this one, then next year he'd you'd feel he'd have a good chance of someone taking the gamble. So yeah, it's a it's a pity that one. Um from at Matastic. Oh Matt, 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 you'll regret this one now. This isn't a question, but Derek Rose was supposed to pick his team and he remains unsigned. We know how this ends. Yes, we do, Matt. It ends in him and Cleveland. <laughs> the void will have to wait. From at David Dunn twenty one. Shouldn't all these people outraged about the possibility of Kyrie to the books have been outraged all along with me when Butler went for nothing? Uh, I don't know if I quite understand this one. Yeah. I I mean, I get it. Uh, Since Jimmy Butler went for a pack of peanuts and... uh, How does that relate to... He's just saying, why are, why are people speaking about going after for Kyrie now when the Bucks could have easily had Jimmy Butler given what he what is? Yeah, but he's talking about the outrage about the possibility of Kyrie to the Bucks. The outrage. 
that it's not done yet? Or I don't think so. I think it's I don't know. David's on twenty one years. The Bulls are a dysfunctional front office. That was the one thing, like, we know how the, the DeMarcus Cousins trade went down. We know the Paul George trade went down. Because I think the Paul George over trade the Paul George. The Paul George trade overshadowed Jimmy Butler's trade by a week and Fraser C comes over. We they could have had a uh, just this crappy process of just like how to deliver it, you know, to you know, basically, hey, we know Tom Thibodeau really likes Jimmy Butler. Let's let's rekindle this fire that we, you know, visited on uh, last year's dra- draft night. I mean, it's just uh, they're just you're, you're saying the process behind that is being underreported, overshadowed by the other stuff, really. Yeah, and like you said, like you think, oh, that, that's the other thing, like that I keep coming back to, and it circles back to our Kyrie Irving discussion. Superstar trades are not the same for whatever reason. There's other... And there could be different reasons, which is like the point I made. Like the Cavs, when that happens, it will be because they're... Pleasing LeBron will be worth more to them than getting fair value. Yeah. They're, the whole... The Kings, DeMarcus Cousins scenario was basically, let's just rip this Band-Aid off because we should have it's done it. move on. Yeah, we're not yeah. going anywhere as it is. Uh, the Pacers is kind of we're playing with the inevitable things are changing up let's not draw this out any longer like there there are kind of common themes to a lot of that i i, I don't know the, the, i wish i could kind of get the question nailed on to what it was but yeah i don't know uh from Metastic, did anyone know that jason kidd and peak sport had a shoe deal before delhi got one do you know that no I did not. Um, Matt kindly provided us with a link to the Jason Kidd White and Blues. Which I'm guessing, guessing there was something when he was in Dallas. I'm surprised that Jason Kidd had a deal with Peak then. No disrespect to Peak. Good friends of ours. Um, Saying that, yeah, I can't remember. I can. There's no way today that Jason Kidd wouldn't have a. So this would have been like two. Th- he, where did he? When did he go back? Two thousand eight to Dallas. So this is. Yeah, I'd guess so. Within the last ten years, they're very interest. They're very Dallas Maverick colors. I'm I'm assuming they were Mavs shoes. I mean, it could have been Nick's shoes. He could have worn them as a Nick. Yeah. <laughs> he he did only play a season with them. I did not know that. I, I did not know that. The next one. From at X Chalupa Batman X. What has Giannis done to improve his shooting? And will he be working with Dirk's guy in Germany? Um I don't I don't know what Giannis has done. To improve his shooting, uh, what's Dirk's tr- Holger Schlanger or Holger Geschwinder? Geschwinder, thank you, Jordan. Um, I don't know. Janis is still on his world tour. Maybe he'll stop off at German in Germany at some point. There's still playing. He's got a let's go do a terrible joke. Yeah, I feel like there's always this. 
what did he say that? Was it around the All-Star break? He was asked about it, to be fair. He didn't say it. This is, again, yeah, something that, that blew up because someone asked him a question, and he gave an answer, which was kind of like... Well, let's, um, it, it wasn't like they had plans. He said, like, oh, I like to work with it's him. It's kind of being polite, isn't it? What's he got? No, that guy. Yeah. No, I'm not working with him. It's like, yeah, if the opportunity goes, well, that'd be great, yeah. It's basically what LeBron said the year before, but we're working out with Giannis. Yep. I have a feeling... That will happen this year? No, 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 no. I'm not a workout guy. I'm not this guy that follows this whole... I guess I am. You are. I, think you are. I am, too. Like, we will do podcasts. I, I, I do it in different ways. Like, if Miles Plumlee is working out with Tim Duncan, that just yeah. amuses me to no end. But if That's it's like a super... for you, that is. Yeah, that's that's my sweet spot. I don't care really if Giannis works on LeBron. I want to hear if Miles Bubbly is uh, uh, working out with Tim Duncan. But well, if Giannis think... works out with Miles Plumley, like to improve his post moves, he decides to or improve his uh, brushing of his teeth. I have a feeling Giannis. What if he doesn't want to work out with anybody? What if he's kind of a a loner, competitive loner guy now? Yeah, yeah, and plus, I mean, there was another thing. Reading too much into this, I, I would, I want, I think we talked about this on the podcast during All Star. I noticed maybe this is you know new guy first time going to All Star jitters type thing, <clears throat> but it wasn't just the game. There was a practice that Saturday morning that was te- on like NBA TV or something, and so. Naturally, I, I was just watching it. Just naturally, yeah. Naturally, that's everyone all star practice. Yeah, it's right. a new thing. You want to see what's going on. Giannis wasn't talking to anybody. He was mainly like, kind of like on his, like not really on a, a I guess an island, a Yana island. Um. Yeah, and I feel like that kind of. I don't know, because I keep seeing this whole like when he's working out with people. The whole Holger Gershwinger, is that right? Uh, yeah, we'll say yeah. We'll, we'll be polite and say yeah. Um, I, I was I like, think, Giannis, to that question. I, I do think Holger is different, and I think I am remembering this correctly, and Giannis, much like um, almost every other European player, has mentioned like that Dirk was one of his heroes. It's not kind of just like... Yeah. This isn't just any player, and I feel like this Dirk is a working out with uh, uh, Fabrizio Oberto. <laughs> well, that would be no he's not even European. Is was he? No, he's Argent- Argentinian. Argentinian, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's not necessarily all that different from that in the sense of Dirk isn't going to be around in the league for much longer. Alberto is not in the league at all, but <laughs> that's kind of, you know, if you are going to work out with someone, someone who's his idol, who's in the opposite conference, doesn't see all that often, is on a team who aren't really close to contention and isn't going to be around when you're in your prime, that would seem like one that works. Like, this this all does make a lot of sense, but what are you going there? Like, there's logistics on that, too. And plus, what, get he might, to Milwaukee. He yeah, Holger to hashtag Holger. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> hashtag, hashtag Holger to Milwaukee. There you go. Um, the other thing, 
what if he did work out with them? We just don't know. <laughs> yeah, be... he might not tell us. It, there, and there is that too. The players are weird about that. Wasn't it the, the big thing with Gordon Hayward? He worked out with Kobe last summer and he was really angry. Didn't Zach Lowe talk about this on a little post? Zach Lowe heard this information, revealed it, and Gordon Hayward was very angry that that information came out. He didn't want anyone to know he was working out with Kobe Bryant. Like, so weird. Gordon Hayward's a weird fellow, man. <laughs> I'm not, look, I'm not, uh, my Gordon Hayward thoughts will come another day. Um, it's been on this podcast before. I can I come again. There's a whole yeah. generation of listeners, Jordan. Literally a generation <laughs> uh, that haven't heard them yet, but they will come again. I don't know. Look, the, I think the more important thing in this is, was he asked to improve his shooting? We don't know. What we do know is he'll have been working very, very hard on it because that's who he is. Whether he improves it or not, it's not the make or break thing. It's like if he does improve his shooting, it's over. It's like, yeah, it's improves his shooting. As Johnny McLaughlin would once would say multiple times throughout the seasons, uh, if he can ever get you know get that shot in in gear, watch out. Like if he does that, genuinely he he could be the best player in the league straight away. If he has all of a sudden was like had a mid range jump shot and could shoot forty percent from three, was back to his eighty percent from the free throw line. To be honest, that's the one that really concerns me, considering how regularly he gets there, and how you'd want that to increase and increase and increase. Uh, but if he could get to doing that, I mean. He's right there with LeBron. He might be better. He's right there with Kevin Durant. He might be better. Like he's got so many ingredients already there that if you flip that switch, I love, I love how it's always like, what's he? You know, if he has a if he has a proof of shooting, it's like, mm. like we're, we're talking about something completely different. Look at what he is without that. He may never get that, and that's okay because he's still at least what he is now, and probably still room to improve. He'll be working hard. That's what we do now, and that's what matters most. From at Cypress Man, why is Vaughn still in the books? He's not and never will be a pro. Is it an ego thing where the books can't release a number one pick? Uh, No, I would say it's it's a cost thing. Like right now, they desperately can't afford. They're they're trying to shed salary. If they're to weigh Vaughn, he'd be still they still be paying him he'd still have his his salary cost and they wouldn't have the player on the roster so it's not that simple i don't think we'll see his option taken up for the final year of his deal so he'll be playing to prove himself heading into free agency i feel this year yeah i feel like that feels more likely than not even considering a improved summer league that's jordan it's an improvement at his other talking summer league for another year. Don't make me talk about it again. Get people tweeting at me again. Better than talking Fair. about other things. I don't know. I don't know about that even. Um, from at Anthony Zeno. <laughs> who do you think we start at point and who do you think ends up with the majority of the minutes at point this season? Brogdon Brogdon. Yeah, agree completely. Uh there could be moments where he goes through slumps. Maybe Delhi comes in. I said this before, but I'm all in on Delhi having a big bounce back year. I just, I really believe that's going to happen. 
don't get excited people obviously a big deli bounce back here it's still like um pretty under the radar just nice role-playing contribution but look i think it's brogdon's like you know taking off brogdon based on anything he did last season he'll start the year with it and he'll get plenty of opportunity so i think jordan's answer of brogdon brogdon and associates is the right one. <laughs> That's the future, Jordan. Brogdon, Brogdon and Associates. Um, that is it for us for this week. We'll be back next week. I don't feel the need to say or sooner, which will probably make sure that we end up back sooner. <laughs> that would be, I mean, the ultimate irony. We've signed off the last three podcasts saying or sooner. And then the plan we won't. Yeah. So I I mean I feel like I've covered it now so that we won't have to come back sooner. But so pencil knows. in Shabazz Muhammad coming to the Bucks. Stranger things have already happened. Season two. And then that happened. <laughs> in the meantime, before we come back, whenever we come back, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, Addison Stitcher. Read all of our work at BehindTheBookPass.com. That's a place to go if you don't want to get angry at your Yanis headlines. <laughs> and we'll be back to you very soon. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.